Good morning, everyone, and welcome to the second episode of No Fear of the Robots. So, since the first episode was basically a long complaint about how wrongly are used chatbots, I wanted to make this one about something that I'm really bullish about. I love this technology. I wish I could use it daily in my company. I, luckily, I can't. But I would like to uh, talk to you about my experience about it, and I'm talking about addictive manufacturing or 3D printing, call it as you wish. So this technology is, first of all, not really a new one. Uh, the first patent about uh, addictive manufacturing which was, I think, uh, Serolithography, that would be the name, uh, is dating back to 1986. Uh, then came others, but uh, for the first, I would say, about almost 20 years, basically all that uh, was done with the 3D printing was uh, rapid pro prototyping. Uh, no constructive components, no parts that would go and ever use in the real world were manufactured using this kind of technology. And uh, if if we look at literature, up to the end of the 90s, uh, it was still science fiction matter. I remember um, a book from the father of uh, the cyberpunk movement, uh, William Gibson, uh, that now I cannot recall the title, but it was uh, and it had the same title of a song from the Velvet Underground. Uh, but anyway, the the main uh, the main technology driving all the events in the book was uh, a, a machine called the Nanofax. So at the end of the day, it was actually a 3D printing, an evolved 3D printing machine. Uh, but still, 1999. 3D printing was in uh, science fiction. We have to wait uh, something like 10 more years to, to see some major changes uh, and in, uh, in the situation, or in the current status of this technology. So by 2009, uh, the patent about uh, FDM technology expired, and this caused the cost of this machine to, to drop considerably and uh, and this allowed uh, this technology to become much more uh, spread spread around uh, accessible to everyone uh, but I think really the, the moment uh, in in which the whole hell break loose was when uh, uh, Avio Aero which is a GE company uh, based in Italy, announced that they would use laser sintering technology to manufacture components for uh, airplane engines, and and that would allow them to to save uh, a lot of uh, uh, weight in uh, in the overall. Uh, 
process of the uh, production of these components and uh, which was basically the, the wings of the turbo fans uh, and, and this this uh, all of a sudden created uh, a lot of awareness around uh, addictive manufacturing how and how the use of this tech could uh, uh, completely change the uh, the status of manufacturing because uh, uh, you could uh, uh, change uh, geometry of the components and you could realize uh, something that previously uh, was not really possible to do uh, with the traditional manufacturing technology. Uh, so I would say that in the last uh, five to ten years we have seen uh, uh, the whole growth about uh, uh, addictive manufacturing movement. Then uh, it's it's obvious that uh, the first one that will benefit from these technologies will be uh, bigger companies uh, who have the human resources to basically make the engineering, the design to to completely change the components that are done now in a traditional way and uh, will need to be completely redesigned to fully take advantage of uh, the possibilities offered by the new technology. Uh, I, I would like to, to tell you my experience about it because uh, I, I think it, it sets uh, a, a good ground to understand uh, what you can and what you cannot do with it, with three D printing, I came in contact with inkjet fusion, which is basically, in, in terms of the results that you can get, similar to uh, to laser sintering. And uh, I came in contact with uh, with this technology um, and. An event uh, at an event uh, at the uh, U.S. Embassy promoted by HP, Hewlett Packard. Uh, they make a, a really great machine about this, and I, I really wanted to buy one for my for my company. Uh, so the last year I spent uh, probably six months to to study uh, the possibility and the possible advantages of uh, purchasing one of these machines and having it inside uh, inside the company. And uh, what I saw, uh, well, first of all, it, that uh, uh, it's true that uh, uh, you can uh, produce components that uh, are usable in, uh, in the real world that can be installed uh, on the machines but uh, uh, in terms of cost the the advantage is not really always uh, always there compared to traditional uh, components traditional way of manufacturing components so you need to be extra careful of uh, what you try, what you try to achieve, and what what kind of components you try you try to make around. So by the end of the day, we we decided not to buy it, and we decided that we would still uh, try to use this technology by outsourcing it. And I'm honestly very sad about it because 
I think uh, it's a it's a great opportunity, and if you have the possibility, you should you should just go and buy one. But anyway, and by the way, by the way, this uh, is no way an advertisement or a promotional for for HP. I just I happen to know their technology better than the other ones. Uh, but the main issue is that uh, to install this kind of machine, you probably need about uh, half million euros of investment because you need, uh, other than the machine, you need uh, a lot of um, side equipment uh, to, to make it run correctly. And to safely use, you need uh, air purification system, air extractor, because the powder, the dust can be uh, harmful for uh, for the lungs, so you need to be extra careful when when you begin to, to buy and, and set up uh, uh, an area to make this, uh, this machine works. This being said, uh, I still believe that uh, the, the technology is great, but uh, from uh, from what I learned from this. Uh, this experience is is that uh, no matter how how big is the hype about that the addictive manufacturing and uh, how everybody is telling that uh, uh, this uh, this technology will uh, uh, blow away everything in the future. Uh, well, if that is going to happen, it's really still really a long way to come. Uh, Truth is that uh, uh, this technology has a great application in three to four uh, uh, environments. Well, first of all, if you have the uh, constructive need to reduce weight as much as possible, and in, and that means that you don't even care too much about uh, the cost of the component. So you can accept to have a, uh, a higher cost uh, for the component manufacturer using addictive technology compared to the one that you would achieve with traditional machine building. So this is the first one. Secondly, if uh, you need uh, a, to manufacture a component that would normally not possible to, to make, in a single component, in a single part, uh, uh, because of the geometry, uh, would be possible to realize. And uh, with uh, addictive manufacturing, you can uh, reach the result of having one component only. So this would actually become a money saver because you would have less component to manufacture, uh, less time to assemble the part on, on your machines, and that would result really in, a, uh, in, a, in, a, in an advantage. Uh, the other thing uh, uh, is when you have uh, small uh, batches, small series components. So uh, normally uh, the suppliers of uh, addictive manufacturing machine say that uh, uh, from uh, a few uh, number of pieces up to about 50,000 is the era in which addictive manufacturing 
is cheaper than going to injection molding for either uh, plastics or even metal. Okay? So, if you have a small series to realize, it's actually cheaper to go to addictive manufacturing because you can make multiple uh, multiple parts uh, in, if they are small enough, of course. We can make multiple parts uh, and, and then uh, in, a, in a single single manufacturing uh, run, let's say, uh, and uh, and save the cost to realize the mold. So this is a this is another situation. And lastly, I would say, but this is not always true, uh, about uh, the lead time to manufacture the component. Of course, if you uh, go through a metal component with traditional machine milling, it would, uh, and then you need to also make uh, some kind of uh, uh, galvanizing treatment or something like that. You may require one to two weeks to manufacture, whereas if you can just uh, take the 3D printed component, you can have it in two, three days max. So uh, if time uh, is an essence for you, uh, you, you can really benefit some, some advantages from uh, the all the other cases, so single parts or uh, uh, single parts that you need to realize fast and you don't have really the time to engineer for addictive manufacturing because uh, your engineering department is more used to use uh, to make and realize parts for traditional uh, manufacturing or even uh, uh, bigger series component of big series that that is the case uh, when it's better to stick to traditional methods. Okay. I would not get deep into uh, each uh, each single technology of uh, 3D printing. First of all, because I'm not an expert. I, I there's a good, very good friend of mine who actually is also uh, a company to to whom we outsource uh, the, this kind of activity for the moment uh, uh, that uh, has uh, almost 30 years of, of experience about uh, uh, this kind of machine. So uh, probably I would, I would try to, to bring her in for an interview and, and to, to describe each different 3D printing technologies more uh, more deeply, let's say. Uh, I would just like to leave you with uh, possible to, to give some other value, basically, uh, I would like to leave you with my personal opinion uh, that I built in this month about uh, what would be the correct approach to, to this technology if you are a small, medium enterprise uh, with uh, limited uh, human resources to, to make this kind of experiment. Right? Uh, my advice would be to use, uh, to buy and use daily a small uh, but decent quality FDM machine because this would allow you to uh, test uh, the strong points and the limits of this technology and really realize uh, what's needed, uh, the, 
terms of how to engineer components to begin to, to design parts in a different way suitable to 3D manufacturing and fully exploit the advantages of uh, this. Uh, this kind of, uh, this kind of uh, arrangement will allow you to have a, a machine inside your company that is probably going to cost a few thousand euros and uh, always uh, available to, uh, to make tests uh, and, uh, and try it uh, and use daily. And, uh, and then begin to understand where is the advantage to go to addictive manufacturing and uh, on the contrary, where is better to keep the tradition of manufacturing technology. If you see that uh, it's, uh, it's possible to, to, to use uh, this technology uh, in a constant way, then it's the time to, to go to laser sintering or inkjet fusion, whatever you will decide. But these machines are much more expensive, like 10 or 20 times more expensive, it's not more. Therefore, you're sure I have to think more about it, okay? So this is my personal advice and uh, also the way I think uh, I will finally act this year, provided I can. Uh, make an agreement with my, my engineering department to try and test this kind of technology. Hope to, with this, to have brought to you some value and, uh, and also some uh, optimism for the future. So if you are into traditional manufacturing, be careful of what is happening, but don't worry because uh, you are still going to be around uh, in the future. Uh, you're probably going to lose some uh, uh, some small part of the job, but big, the big thing is going to still be there for you. Uh, and if you are way into new technologies, well, 3D printing is uh, it's been around for 30 years. It's uh, been tested. It's been uh, approved. It's been uh, developed all the way around. And it's really a solid technology that can give you there is the good result you would expect if you study enough to understand how to design the part to use it 100% of their advantage. This is it for 3D printing. Thanks for listening and uh, see you soon or, or on and off here of the robot. Bye.